Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sport. My name is Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard, and welcome to this week's episode of the pod. Um, I have some really interesting things I want to talk about before I get to the interview, so bear with me. Um, the Boston Marathon was on Monday of this week, and y'all, it is my favorite day of the year. Like hands down, and if you're not from the Boston area, I mean, you you really need to go to Patriots Day in Massachusetts one year. It's incredible. And so I had to find a way to watch the marathon because now it is behind a paywall and subscription service, apparently. Um, But I was super excited. There were a bunch of fun things happening. Um, First of all, Sally Burgesson, our first episode. Um, first guest um, was there with her Wazelle flock and um, they were having a grand old time. Um, also Catherine Switzer, who was episode number 20. Um, she was there. So that was great. But there are two out of control stories um, about this marathon. And I know I don't normally do like newsy type things, but I, I don't care. I got to do it this time. The first was Des Linden getting first for the women. She's an American. It's the first time in 33 years that an American woman has won the Boston Marathon. So that was incredible. And she looks so strong. And it was just, it's such a great story too. She talked about afterwards how um, she thought she was going to drop out. And so she was really just helping Shalane Flanagan get back up to a group when she had to take a porta potty break. Um, And then she was like, well... Our other teammate up there, she needs a little help getting to the main pack. So let me just help her get up there and then I'll drop out. And then she ended up making the move and winning. So that was incredible to watch. And then a whole lot of women, American women, um, placed in the top 10. We had a woman who... Nobody had ever heard of before. I mean, aside from like her people, I'm sure Sarah Sellers, who Sarah, I don't know who you are other than you got number two at the Boston Marathon. It is only your second marathon and it's a badass story. So I would like you to come on the pod if somehow this gets to you. So Sarah Sellers finishes second um, and then. uh, A Canadian, uh, Krista uh, Duchesne uh, finishes third. And then we had the number four with Rachel Highland, the number five with Nicole DeMercurio, number six with Shalane Flanagan, um, and Kimmy Reed was seventh, and Joanna Thompson was 10th, and oh my God, if this was a cross-country race, USA would have just blown away all of their competitors. So the next ma- marathon in the Olympics is going to be incredible for the Americans. I'm so excited. They did such a great job um, the last time around working as a team and they did it again here and it was just so good. So that's my little excitement there. Um, And it has certainly uh, helped with uh, some of my um, sad news that I shared with you all last year. It was a good way to get out of my own head uh, last week. I mean, and um I wanted to thank you all. Um, I received some really sweet notes, um, some cards, uh, just some messages. Uh, so I really, really appreciate it. Uh, you guys sure know how to make a girl feel loved. This week, we have 
Darla Hall, who is the founder and owner of In the Sports Zone. In the Sports Zone is a company that creates licensed activity books for sports teams, leagues, and brands. Um, all college books, except for Oklahoma, have a free app, and which is an interactive version of the book where kids can learn about their favorite teams. So Darla, um, her career has been in marketing and advertising, and she has this incredible story about a friend whose son uh, was hit by a car and then he was in the hospital. And this is how she kind of came up with the original idea for the sports books. Um, She had no connections um, and found a way to figure out and navigate the licensing system um, with all the different leagues and schools. And it's a really incredible story. Um, She is uh, a, a breath of fresh air. Um, I love her Southern accent. It, it just makes me all happy. And she shares some really great nuggets of wisdom. So now we're going to be on to the interview with Darla Hall. Hi, Darla. Hi, Bobby Sue. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well, hanging in there, running a business and just trying to take a day at a time. (laughs) Well, I think that's always a good way to do it, right? (laughs) Yes, it's all you can do. (laughs) For sure. Um, Well, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. I know we've uh, been playing calendar tag for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I I will uh, start this off with, you know, the question that I do ask a lot of people, which is, How did you fall in love with sports? Well, at an early age, I grew up in a really small town. So there wasn't a whole lot to do in my little small town of Cloverdale, Indiana. So I fell in love with sports from an early age. I was a tomboy growing up. So I loved playing dodgeball at recess with the boys. And I would, you know, get up to bat when I played softball. I loved it. I was the smallest one out there and I would get up to bat and they would all move in because they thought I couldn't hit it. And I would hit it over their heads and um, got the nickname Mighty Mo at a young age. Mm-hmm. So that made it fun and, and, you know, playing softball. And then as I was growing up in high school, I played um, sports. I played volleyball and basketball and I was a cheerleader. And so I just love sports at an early age. And that's what made me fall in love with them, the whole coaching and the mentors. Um, I had a great mentor coach in my volleyball um, high school career, Becky Brothers, who's since passed away, but she was an amazing mentor and coach to me. And she just made me love sports even more. Did you um, have one particular sport that you enjoyed playing more than others? I'm sorry, what was the question? Did you have a particular sport that you enjoyed playing more than others? I loved volleyball probably the most um, because it was a challenge for me being so small. I really had aspirations to play in the front row because I loved to spike and I was so small. I was a setter. And I, my dad would put tape up in my house and I would jump up until I hit the tape and then he would move it up higher and I would jump up until I hit the tape. And by my junior year, I was playing all the way around and I was a front row spiker and a back row setter. And I had kills and, you know, people, I think at my high school, people enjoyed 
watching me play because I was so small, but yet I could spike the ball by the you know time I was a junior. So it was just a lot of fun. I was a little fireball. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of people on uh, who've played volleyball, so that's kind of fun to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you decide to go to Ball State? Well, I wanted to play volleyball in college, but I was too small. So I decided to go to Ball State and try out for cheerleading because I loved being a flyer. So I wanted to try out for cheerleading at Ball State and they had a great communication school. Of course, Dave Letterman went there. So um, it was recognized as a good communication school. So I wanted to do journalism. So I decided to go to Ball State to be close to home. What kind of journalism were you thinking of doing at the time? Sports journalism. So I wanted to do something in sports and, um, you know, something in journalism, but I didn't know what at that time. I, I just didn't know enough about it to, you know, be able to have any idea. I just knew I loved sports and knew I loved journalism. You ended up um, beginning your career in marketing and advertising. Can you talk a little bit about how you got there? Yes, my first job was at Ball State Sports Information with Joe Hernandez, who's still a great friend of mine. He's still at Ball State. He's been there forever. And so he gave me my first job. And so I was doing stats for the football team and doing different things like that. So that was my first job. And then he introduced me to Brad Hart and Dave DeChico at the Amateur Athletic Union. And so my first real job out of college was um, Assistant Director of Public Relations for the Amateur Athletic Union. So I got to be involved in the AAU Junior Olympic Games with Tiger Woods and and different things like that. So that was a lot of fun to get exposure in sports at an early age. Oh, that's kind of fun. Did um, everybody realize how amazingly good he was going to be? Not really. Not really. <laughs> he won. He won the. Um, I believe he won the James E. Sullivan Award that year that I was there. And so that was a lot of fun. And Dominique Dawes and, and some of the uh, gymnastic girls were there that I got to meet. So it, it made it a lot of fun. It was a great career for me getting right out of college. What did um, you end up doing next? Where did you go? I went to a company called Incredible Universe and uh, moved up the ladder to be the Eastern Region Marketing Manager for them. And they were owned by Tandy Corporation. And then I had a little stint at the Adams Mark Hotels in hospitality. And then I went to uh, work for MZD advertising. So I worked there for about 12 years and did a little um, video shoot for Donald Trump. So that was kind of a a neat little project that I did. And uh, I was on his winning team for the, there was a casino being built in in French Lick. So I was, um, I put the presentation together to be on the winning team for that. So that was a lot of fun. And then I moved to Alabama and I started my own ad agency. So I started a Hallmark, Hallmarketing and that's where it leads me today uh, because one of my clients at Hallmarketing got struck by a car and he was a huge Alabama fan. And so I developed the first ever Roll Tide activity book as a gift for that little boy who was a huge Alabama fan. He just happened to be the client, one of my clients' son. And I was searching for a gift for him, couldn't find it. So that's where, that's where I am today. When, um, when you started your own um, advertising firm, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about what your thought process was before doing that? Like, you know, were you 
were you scared? Did you did you have people that you used to mentor or kind of uh, bounce ideas off of before you got rolling with that? No, I wasn't scared at all. I had always wanted to do it and I've always had an entrepreneur spirit spirit, and I've always wanted to do something on my own. And it was just a matter of timing for me. Um, it wasn't scary. I just went out and did it. I set up my own LLC. I really didn't know how to do all that stuff. I just Googled it and I found out how <laughs> to do it and I set it up and I just kind of jumped in with two feet forward, started going to networking events, got my own clients. I knew how to do everything. So I really just kind of outsourced what I didn't know how to do. And I focused on writing small business plans um, or marketing plans for small businesses like Burdette Dental Lab. Oh, cool. Did you, um, did you, did you know about the process to get activity books when you moved into this? You, you know, so your coloring and activity books are, awesome um you sent me a couple they're great do you um did you know beforehand how to go through the process to get them to market i knew nothing absolutely nothing i literally that night i stayed up till 3 a.m sketching out this idea from a blank piece of paper to my drawings and then i took it to a designer who made help me, you know, make it come to life and look good. Um, and I had no idea. I didn't really, I didn't anticipate this being anything special. I, other than the gift for the little boy, that was the special part for me. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to draw it out and make it work for him as a gift. And then uh, people started telling me it was a great idea. And so I thought, well, I better talk to an attorney about this. So I talked to an attorney friend of mine, uh, Mike Ermer, and sat down with him, told him the idea. And he said, you really need to get this protected and you need an NDAs and you need this intellectual property. You know, there's all kinds of agreements and things like that. So I hired an attorney and I literally jumped in with two feet forward and started going with this thing without having any idea about the publications world no idea about the licensing world. Um, it just, I literally started from scratch. I cashed in $20,000 of my 401k that I had saved for my retirement. And I took this to Alabama and mm-hmm. Auburn the first year. And I said, I've got this idea and it's an activity book for the sports teams. And it has educational things about the team. And I think it'll be a great product. And I filled out the application and I, of course, knew how to fill out a, you know, write a good marketing plan and a business strategy. So I did that. And lo and behold, I got licensing in 2012 for Alabama and Auburn. And then it was off to the races. And I literally haven't stopped going (laughs) since then. (laughs) It's been a a crazy ride. Do you, um, do you have any background in art or drawing or are you a creative arts person? No, I'm not. I can't draw a stick figure to (laughs) save my life. (laughs) So I'm the idea person. I have all kinds of ideas. I am, you know, full of different ideas on, you know, products that would work in the marketplace. And then, you know, with those ideas, I can find the people 
I'm pretty resourceful. And so I can find the people to make things happen. So I surround myself with really good, really talented people. I look for the best of the best and make it happen. And then, you know, I added the app with the books that year. So I uh, hired Coach Saban's neighbor, you know, Coach Saban's agent's neighbor to help me build the apps from scratch. I knew I, I knew exactly what I wanted the app to do. So I explained it to this app developer and he ended up um, writing the templates for the apps that now I have 38 apps. I think I have over 200 and something titles in my line now. I oh have 39 college teams, 30 MLB teams, 32 NFL teams. Um, I'm launching 30 NBA teams this season. I'm launching NASCAR in at the Brickyard 400 or at the Brickyard in Indianapolis in September. And I'm launching a public safety version this summer at the NASRO National Association for School Resource Officers at their convention, we'll be launching that. So, oh my gosh, that's incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm guessing, you know, with Alabama and Auburn, you having lived there for a while, you had some connections to the, to the schools and, and, and to the people you needed to talk to about the licensing. Not one. Oh I had zero connections. <laughs> I had zero <laughs> connections with anybody in any of these places. I started from literally from scratch. I so, had to make phone calls and I had to build relationships from scratch. How did you do that? Can you can you walk me through a little bit or tell tell us a story to kind of show, you know, what you did in order to make those connections and to build those relationships? Yes, I started out with the CLC, so the Collegiate Licensing Company, great company, and they're wonderful to work with. And so I started out, um, you know, contacting the University of Alabama, their licensing director, um, and talking to them and making sure that they like the idea first. And it's just a matter of having guts, no guts, no glory. You got to <laughs> pick, you got to have guts, you got to pick up the phone and you got to make the phone call no matter how nervous you are, I wasn't nervous, but no matter how nervous you are, you've got to pick up the phone and make the call and have guts. And so I, I did that and they liked the idea. So I submitted it to CLC. They liked the idea. It was niche. It was children's. It was educational. The quality was good. I, I, I didn't skimp on quality. I wanted it to be full color full, uh, loaded with activities so that a kid in the hospital would have hours and hours of things to do in this activity book. So I didn't skimp on any quality. So they liked it. And then, so that's how I got my first uh, license. I, you know, had a really good solid plan and I presented it. And now five years later, you know, I have established really good relationships with all of those people now. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you, I'm going to start that question over. Are the, you know, the processes for licensing, it's funny because, you know, I work for a sports organization, but because of um, our, you know, overall league setup and everything, we don't actually deal with the licensing issues at the club level. So I'm always uh, asked about, you know, some 
some person's like, hey, I came up with this great shirt that I'd like to sell. And, mm-hmm. you know, they go, I send them to the league, but I don't even know what the process is like for that. So, um, you know, are, are the different, are the leagues different in what they require? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and even with teams, is are there some leagues where there's more flexibility for individual teams? Yes. You know, if someone was starting out, I would say it's it's good to start at the college level because then you can test your product. It's always good to test your product first and make sure people are going to buy it and make sure that it it meets all the requirements and make sure that you have some sales history um, because, you know, that's what matters. You know, they want to make sure that it's a quality product. They want to make sure that you've got enough sales that you're going to be around for the long term. And it's a very tricky um, industry to get into. I would say start out and test your product, make sure it's viable, make sure it's a product that's going to work in the marketplace that people are going to love. And then once you have a solid idea, you know, test it with a few colleges, test it with a few schools, make sure that it sells, make sure that the colleges and the, the consumers love your product. And then you can scale it to bigger and better things. Every league's different. Um, You know, there's websites that um, they, you know, they tell you about the licensing process. Um, There's lots of people out there that have part, you know, partnerships and different things like that. Um, But it's all just a learning experience. Every person is different. So you just have to jump into it with two feet forward. And like I said, go into it slowly because, you know, a lot of people go out of business because they jump into it and go too fast. So I've just been very methodical of, you know, as far as my growth and and how much I've done. And, you know, I want to be around for the long term and I want to provide educational products for kids in sports for a long time. So I want to be very cautious about um, how quickly I grow. Do you yourself come up with the activities within the books? Yes. And how, how do you do that? Where, do, where does that come from? I just, I mean, I just have, I have millions of ideas written down. So I talk to kids when I'm out and about. Um, I take, well, initially I just came up with all the ideas in the beginning on my own. And I just, you know, created this thing from scratch. I literally drew every activity out. <laughs> and then I brainstormed with them, my creative directors and different things like that. And they kind of came up with a few ideas and, Um, So that's how it started literally from scratch. But then now I ask kids what they like and what they don't like. And I ask parents what they like and what they don't like. And I ask teachers what's good activities for this age group. So now I have a storybook line um, that's good for kids ages zero to um, six. And it's a story that I wrote. It's called the My Pal series and it's using the mascots and I wrote a rhyming fun story for kids that teaches them their ABCs, whatever theme that is. So if it's NBA, if it's the Cavaliers, it's Moondog, my pal. And <laughs> Moondog, it's a fun story about Moondog, my pal. And then it says, would you like to learn your ABCs with him? And then he goes through and with, bas- you know, B for basketball, C for champion, D for defense, you know, and it, it's all about basketball. So that's kind of a fun new thing that I've been into and then I also have the adult coloring book line in all the all the different sports as well. 
am really excited to tell you all about Lola today. Lola is a brand of feminine care products that are 100% organic cotton. I've known about them for a couple of years, and I was really excited when they reached out to be a sponsor of the podcast. Um, They sent me a little package that came right in time uh, with a couple of uh, items to try, and everything was so cute. Their service makes your month a little bit easier. They have a subscription service that is fully customizable and you can choose and mix your products, your perfect mix of absorbency, number of boxes, frequency of delivery. It's super flexible and you can skip, change, or cancel at any time. It's an organization that was founded by women for women, which I just love. One of the other things that they're doing, which is amazing, is for every purchase... They donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the United States. Did you know that one of the things that homeless women tend to request the most isn't socks, it isn't clothing, it's feminine care products. So Lola is taking our purchases and doing good with them, which I absolutely adore. Head to their website and you'll get 40% off your first order. You can visit mylola.com and enter the promo code LTPF when you subscribe. That's 40% off of your first order by visiting mylola.com and entering the promo code LTPF. So make sure you check them out. Support a female-led organization that is doing good for homeless women across the country at mylola.com. How have you found the people that uh, work with you from the creative side? I've, and I'll, I'll give a little, you know, explanation of kind of where I'm going. Like for me, when I was starting the podcast um, and re- getting ready to launch it, I got really caught up in, oh my God, I don't have a logo. Oh my God, I don't have a website. And, and I struggle with, thinking of myself as a creative person. So in my mind, I'm not really good at putting things together to make them look good. So like a website design or a logo design. And I remember it took me quite some time to find people that I felt were, were good and, and did good work to create those. So I was really fortunate that I did find those, but you know, where do you, where did you start going to, you know, at the beginning, I'm guessing after a while, you just have, you know, certain ways that you interview or research mm-hmm. people, right? Yeah, I, I find, you know, of course, it, since I own my own marketing company, I had access to, you know, creative people. And I LinkedIn, I use LinkedIn a lot as a resource for finding good people. Um, because if they're on LinkedIn, they're networking, and they're, they're probably going to be pretty good at what they do. So I use that as a resource. And then it's just referrals. I, I call people. Um, you know, I call people and say, Hey, who's your, who does all your creative, you know, I need good creative people. If I need a videographer, I call the video people that I know locally and say, you know, I need five leads for videographers and then I'll interview them and look at their reels and I'll look at their illustrations. I found my illustrator uh, on LinkedIn and I found another guy, uh, one of my top designers now found me on LinkedIn uh, he reached out to me. Um, and so it's just, um, it's just a little bit of a combination of everything. 
do they all work remotely or with like with you in Alabama? Are you growing the population of Alabama with your booming business? <laughs> no, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I, I, I use them as consultants only right now. Yeah. Um, maybe in the future, but I'm basically a one woman outfit here and I do everything. I outsource everything. So there's not really a lot of overhead. I would rather use my additional dollars to donate books to children in hospitals everywhere I go. Um, if there's m extra money to be spent, that's what it's going to be spent on. And that's where my time and effort and money is going to be spent is on the giving back part because that's how it started. And that's how, that's what inspires me every day. The giving back part of this, because I, you know, I just meet the kids when I go donate the books to them. It makes them happy. It makes them smile. It really makes me smile. Mm -hmm. um, and it motivates me. And that's what gets me up every single day. And once, you know, that's why I grind this business because I want to do more to help kids and, that's what inspires me. That's really sweet. Have you, um, I mean, it, <laughs> I'm like blowing past up that it is, it's, it's a really sweet uh, purpose. And mm -hmm. I, I can imagine how much those kiddos really appreciate it. I know how excited they get when they're, you know, around players or a game or um, even just practice. Right. So to be able to, to do something that keeps their mind off of what's going on is, um, you know, it's a really cool thing to be able to provide them. Yeah. Super fun. Have super you, fun. have you had an, or thought about, um, teaming up, you know, getting, having like an athlete or a program go with you to the hospital to visit any kiddos, um, with your books? Yeah, I would love to do that. I mean, if any athlete, you know, contacted me or anything, I would love to, you know, I, I've sent some to the NFL experience. There was an athlete there that was doing an event for some underprivileged kids um, at NFL experience in New York and they carry my books. So I sent a hundred to that guy to give to those kids. And every now and then um, I will have an athlete that wants to donate them to the local hospital. And usually they just get my books like Coach Saban, um, Coach Malzahn, they use my books and they donate them to the kids in the hospital. And usually I just send them the books and, and the athletes kind of go and, and do their thing with them. Um, it's not really about me going. And, I, you know, as long as the kids are getting the books in their hands, um, you know, that's the, the purpose, I guess. And if any athlete wants me to go with them to donate books, of course I would do that. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. You know, the kids don't know who I am. They're like, who are you? But yeah, the athlete's really cool. You know, <laughs> that's so how like, I, I feel. The book, you know, no big deal. It's just, whatever. That's, <laughs> they how love I, the athletes. Yeah. that's how I feel every day of my life, Darla. I'm like, it's okay, oh, you're just <laughs> using me to get to see a locker room or something. Great. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> yeah. I still love them. Um, you, uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, recent period of time, you, you started doing adult coloring books. So where did that idea come from? And, um, you know, how are, how are those created? <laughs> Because yeah. there's so, every adult coloring book I see, it's so intricate, right? There's so many different patterns and lines yeah. and everything. 
It's just about taking that same kind of concept and just making it sports. So if I'm a woman and I love the Colts, you know, I may want to get a Colts adult coloring book. You know, they're meant for ages 13 and above. Really, I needed something for that older, you know, girl that would come up to my table at my book signings. And I really didn't have anything for them. The, the activity book was too young for them. And then I heard a story. Someone told me a story about this girl who was in a, an abusive situation and she was struggling with her life. And she was talking about how therapeutic adult coloring was to her. And so I thought, well, let's just take these logos and, you know, take it a step further and just do, you know, an adult type coloring book that's a little more intricate to reach those teenage girls, women who might like their favorite sports teams. Yeah, I I have Mm -hmm. to say I've used mine once or twice. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm not a big coloring person, but there are a lot of people who enjoy coloring and every now and then I'll play around with it. But um I'd rather be out there on the field throwing the football. <laughs> sure. Well, I, you, you know, and for me, I know I'm the same and I was, I've never been, like I said, I, I have the story in my head that I'm not good at art and creative mm-hmm. things. And, but I was definitely the one who like could barely stay inside the lines. <laughs> and, and my sister did, was such a perfectionist that she did everything with like shading and all of that. So, um, okay. Now I, every once in a while I'll pull it out or I have another one that a friend gave me that's um, it's like a, a feminist color, women's coloring book. I mean, it's just hilarious. And, um, and it is kind of Zen-like when you, when you start doing it and kind of put you in a little bit of a trance. Yeah, I guess so. And if your team's winning, it's great. If your team's losing, maybe you want to scribble on it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. That's for sure. Um, do you, um, you, you said you have all these different ideas for all these different products and stuff. Do you see yourself um, expanding beyond um, the activity books and the app? Um, you know, into other types of products or um, do you have those all on a shelf just waiting for the right time? I have a lot of ideas kind of sitting, waiting in line for the right time and for with the right resources. Um, I am, you know, I have added 90 new SKUs within the last three months for the MBA. I just got the MBA license And so I've added 90 new SKUs within the last three months um, to add to my line. I'm getting ready to work with a company called Music Today to launch my, relaunch my website to do direct-to-consumer marketing and a lot of uh, different things like that. Like I said, I'm adding NASCAR. I'm hoping to add soccer one of these days. Um, There's a lot of different teams in, in different areas where I can add that way, but then there's also products, digital products that I want to add that I've already got um, conceptualized and already testing a couple. Very cool. I've done a couple YouTube shows for using the mascots to teach children early education skills. Mm-hmm. And I have some other products that I would love to add into the line in the future. It's just a matter of timing and resources. Right. Do you mm-hmm. ha- have you thought? Or I don't know, this is probably going to be absurd, but have you thought of trying to go on Shark Tank? (laughs) 
Um, I, you know, when I went early on, <laughs> I did send in an application to Shark Tank and I was one of the finalists as far as sending the video presentation in. Um, but since then, I've kind of done my own Shark Tank and I've kind of realized that I can probably continue doing this on my own with cash flow. And I'd like to keep as much equity in the business as I possibly can until I'm ready to let loose of it. Sure. And so I'd like to just continue working with my existing investors who are wonderful people. And they've been very supportive of me from the, from day one. And uh, so I think I'm just going to kind of be status quo and just kind of grow it on my own for a while. No, that's awesome. Um, it's such a silly question to ask, but it's the first thing yeah. I think of when it's, yeah, it's a good question, all new products and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have for my own personal stuff, a, I guess, like a personal board of advisors, you know, different men and women that I talk to when I'm thinking of launching a podcast, for example, or, um, or, you know, maybe a big career move or something like that. Do you, do you have a group like that? And how did you, how did you find them if you do? Yes, I participated in an event here called, it's a program called Alabama Launchpad. And I won, my company won $43,500 in that, in that uh, program. And they provided a lot of great mentors. Um, they just, uh, I've got, I've got about five or six mentors that I use that are CEOs of companies and they are my go-to people. So I, whenever I have a question on investors or, you know, what kind of deal I should negotiate with this person or this person, I definitely go to them and ask them for their opinions on pretty much everything. So, and also my investors, my existing investors. Now I go to them and ask them their advice all the time. Couldn't do it without them. (laughs) Were there, were there people who, you know, kind of looked at you like you were crazy when you first came up with the idea and, and decided that you were going to jump in, you know, both, both feet forward? No, everyone was telling me that I've got a winning idea. It's a great idea. You need to get it locked and loaded. You need to pursue it. Not one person ever doubted me um, in this. So that's kind of what's given me the the will to continue on mm-hmm. um, because there was so much confidence in this from the beginning. Now, there's been a lot of things that I've learned along the way. There have, have been some pitfalls and there's been some, some, a few negative things along the way that I've learned from, but that's all about resilience. You know, I, I like to say you look, you need to look at the tiger right in the eye and stare him down. You know, there's five, five of my favorite words spell out the word tiger, tenacity, impact, grit, and endurance, and resilience. And it's taken all of those to get to where I am today. And I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And I still, you know, use those resources um, to get through, you know, day to day. That is phenomenal. (laughs) I'm just like in awe of that. Um, I, I love that. Did you, I mean, you know, did you personally ever doubt yourself or have moments where you just weren't really sure if it, it was going to work or if you had made the right decision? I have moments, but then when I have moments, I have better moments <laughs> that are positive. <laughs> For instance, I'll give you one example. I was sitting on my couch 
one day a couple years ago and I was crying because I had a $20,000 invoice due and I didn't know how I was going to get the money to pay it because it was in the period of, you know, where the sales were slow. And a lot of times people are net 30 and net 60 and net 90. And it just gets kind of crazy on cash flow. So I was laying there on my sofa. I never cry. I'm not a big crier. I'm not emotional really. Um, but I was, I was emotional that night. And then I get a Facebook message from a little boy's grandmother. His name's Gideon. And I met him. I met him one winter. I met him. I didn't want to go to this event and I was fighting tooth and nail. I didn't want to go. It was cold. So I was complaining. I was like, I did not want to go to this event. It's cold. Why am I doing this? I don't want to sell books today. You know, <laughs> I was being negative Nelly that day and I never am like that. But anyway, so I went to the event and this little boy pulls up in a wheelchair. His grandmother pushes him up. His mom was there. His sister was there. And I said, this is why I came to this event. There is one purpose and one purpose only that I'm at this event. And that's to meet that little boy. So I gave him some of my prayer activity books and some of my, you know, different things. And, and he went on his way and I stayed connected to his grandmother. Well, that night when I was upset, his grandmother posted something on Facebook that I'll never forget. She said, Gideon loves his prayer activity book. And it was a picture of him working in my activity book and just a big smile on his face. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all is well with the world because <laughs> he made my night. And I said, you know what, if he can go through all this trauma and, you know, brain surgery and all of this, I can suck it up and things are going to be okay. The next day I got a check from Costco for almost that identical amount that was owed and I, I was running, screaming around the house. I, I could not believe it because I didn't even expect it. And it came and I was like, oh my gosh, how does this happen? So it was just one of those kind of butterfly kisses from heaven, I call it. Um, and it was just a moment. And I'm still friends with that boy today. He calls me the Tennessee lady because he loves Tennessee. <laughs> and so I took him some socks and made up a stinky sock poem and all kinds of fun things with that little boy. He loves the balls. So I, you know, he, he's, I'm going to see him for his birthday coming up. I'm taking a Navy SEAL with me and we're going to take him some gifts. And anyway, I'm still friends with that little boy today and he's doing great. And I just adore him. That is such a sweet story. And I love it. I, first of all, I love that you're still connected to him. Um, uh, you know, I think we never, we never know when these random people we meet in our lives are going to become, um, you know, really important pieces. Right. And so you clearly recognized that with him and, um, you know, the feedback, it, you know, I always say like, even if I'm doing something wrong, I, I want the feedback, right? I want to get better. And, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll get a note, you know, a handwritten note from someone or an email or a direct message on Twitter or something. And it's from, usually from uh, another woman who, you know, heard about the podcast, has been listening to the podcast and, you know, they say these incredible things. And I'm like, are you talking about me? <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? It's and definitely an inspiration, no doubt. It, it's, for women everywhere, especially in sports, but women everywhere. So, oh, thanks. It's just, 
it just, you know, those days where I'm freaking out because I have a thousand mm-hmm. things to do and I don't want to do more social media for the <laughs> podcast yeah. or, you know, or send emails to people and I just want to Netflix. Like those are the things that kind of hit the heart and you're like, okay, no, this is why I'm doing it. Okay. This is good. Mm-hmm. This is good. Um, yeah, everyone's got their why and, and, and those little nuggets that, you know, kind of keep you inspired. So yeah, yeah. for sure. Have you, um, you know, sports and people ask me this a lot. Sports is clearly very male dominated. Um, are, you know, are there times or have there been instances when you've encountered, you know, some of the, the negativity because you're a woman, um, you know, trying to create product and, and um, jump into what is essentially a man's world? I would say it's more the opposite for me. I, I I truly believe if you're a confident woman and if you're bold in your decisions, people will, will really respect that and treat you equally. So I think the thing is with women, just, you know, my advice would be if you want a career in sports, suck it up, be confident and bold. And like I said, just stare the tiger right in the eye and just kind of tackle things just like men do. So I really haven't faced any adversity when it comes to women in women in sports. If anything, it kind of it's a niche. And if you're a strong woman in sports, I think there's a there's a story to tell there. And I'm going to start doing some professional motivational speaking coming up um, in the fall. And that's, you know, going to be part of my story is just, you know, having that strength and confidence to be able to step up there and take risks just like men do. Are you um, or have you kind of flipped the table a little and now become a mentor to other people? Yes. Yes. It's hard for me to even say that because I, <laughs> I never, never even imagined that in a million years. I, I really didn't. But yes, I, I want to be a mentor for other women. I want to be a mentor for other entrepreneurs, people starting businesses, um, people just really wanting to grow in their confidence. You know, I, I, I definitely am and at the point in my career where I'm ready to be a leader and get out there. And a lot of people tell me that I should tell my story. So I figured I better go ahead and get out there and do it while I have this spunk to do it. <laughs> And plus I can make a difference with it. You know, I, I I was hesitating doing this professional speaking thing and, and and all of a sudden I had an aha moment and I thought, you know what, I can use part of the money to help these kids with their medical bills. So I got up the next morning and I was ready to go. I had my website done within a week. I was Johnny on the spot and I just made it happen. So it's happening. Whether I want it to or not, it's happening. That's pretty (laughs) phenomenal. Um, Did it, did it take some coaxing from from other people in your life or was there a, you know, a particular conversation that you remember th- about that? Yeah, it took a few people telling me that they they would come and hear my story, that I, I have a story worth telling that it took a few different people telling me that and encouraging me. And then once they told me that and encouraged me, I talked to a few speakers, bureaus and you know, some professional women in the industry. And they said, you definitely have got to get this out there. 
and you've got to, you know, you've got to do it. So, and then, you know, I had the conversation with Gideon's mom and that just put the icing on the cake for me and just made me realize that I can do this. That's great. I, I know a bunch of people who, you know, do speaking and, um, and, uh, I've been pushed to do more speaking, which right now it's been on like panels at schools and, and stuff like that. Um, so not professional, I guess, but it, um, you know, it's such an interesting area to go into, right? Because you're no longer just, um, doing that thing you're comfortable with, you're, you know, or that you've been doing, you're kind of putting yourself literally in the spotlight. <laughs> mm, um, and I'm not really excited about that, <laughs> but, but yet I am because I know I can, you know, I know I can make a difference in lives. And so that, that part's super exciting. The part about me going up, up there and, you know, I, my story is not going to be necessarily about myself. It, you know, I'll sprinkle things in there about it, but it's, it's going to be designed to motivate people and to tell the stories about these kids that have inspired me and to really make a difference. The number one thing in my company, and I've said this to my investors, my investor was joking with me the other day. He's like, yeah, you, you need to send me sales projections for the year. I know you don't care about that. However, <laughs> you need to send me sales projections for the year. <laughs> I laughed so hard because I said, I do care about that because, you know, if I'm, if I'm profitable and if I'm, you know, doing great in sales, I'm going to be able to give back more. And he said, yeah, yeah, I know. I know that. He said, I know what motivates you. And he just kind of laughed at me. (laughs) I think that's awesome. (laughs) Um, When, um, when picking the first schools, you know, Auburn, Alabama, clearly you live in Alabama, right? Um, did you ever wonder what it would be like if you went to like two schools that really competed against each other? I guess Auburn, Alabama do, right? Like they're kind of like rivals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was that kind of your main thinking was like, I know these two are going to go up against each other, so I might as well do both of them. No, (laughs) my thought was, I'm going to develop this for this little boy that got hit by a car in the hospital and his little buddy next to him is probably going to be an Auburn fan. So I better have an answer for that kid. So that's why I did what I did. I didn't, I didn't have any other thinking. There was no sales response. There was nothing, no other thinking other than I need to have this for this little boy in the hospital and his little friend is going to be an Auburn fan <laughs> that's going to oppose him. So I better have an answer for that little kid too. Oh, that's so awesome. The first year, so the first year I just went out with Alabama and Auburn and that was th- the reason I did those two schools is because, you know, I wanted to have the answer for both those kids. And, and at my uh, launch party, I'll never forget, I had three little boys that I did fundraising for, Ryan, Eli, and Hunter. They all had metal medulloblastoma, brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And they've all, I've lost them all. They've all Aww. gone to heaven since then. But I, you know, I had an amazing experience with all those kids and it was so funny. They were just funny when it came to their rivals. Like they were friends in the hospital and they would ride trikes together and everything. And they would just be like these friends in the hospital. And then they cheered for their favorite team. So they were 
were rivals, you know, when it came to cheering for their favorite teams, they're like, don't put that red or don't wear red when you come see me. And what, you know, like this one little boy, he, he took out all the purple flowers in his mom's corsage when she got married because they were too much like LSU colors. And just, oh my God, these, these kids in the South, they love their college football. It's hilarious. But oh. it's it just such good stories. Oh my gosh. I'm in Florida and I'm from Massachusetts. So like, College football isn't really such a, a big thing down there, but down here, it's intense. And same thing. You've got people who are like, get away from me with that blue and orange, you Gators fan, you. <laughs> and it's awesome. People will ask me, they'll be like, what's your Florida school? I'm like, I don't know what's not going to get me punched right now. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm an Indiana girl, so I like the Hoosiers for basketball and, you know, I like the Colts for football. And when I moved to Alabama, I guess I, you know, I, you have to pick one. Um, and I, I tell people, I'm like, you know, I just cheer for whatever, whatever kid the kids cheer for. I'll put on that color and I'll go visit them in the hospital. I'll wear Auburn. I'll wear LSU. I'll wear whatever. I don't care. Now I have two sons. I have one son at Cincinnati Law School and I have two sons going to Alabama. So and a stepdaughter going to uh, Harding in Arkansas. So, I, you know, I'll wear any color. A little all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. That's awesome. Um, I want to ask you something about Alabama. Okay. The state of Alabama. Um, so <laughs> my listeners are just going to laugh at me. Um, so my biological dad, and I say biological because he passed when I was really young. Uh, but apparently he was born in, and I might say this wrong, so bear with me. Opelika? Uh-huh. Opelika. I think that's right. Do you, have you ever been there? Is there anything you could tell me about? I can't <laughs> tell you a thing. Google. That's, <laughs> what, that's what I do when I need answers to questions that I don't know. You oh, no. I, I mean, yeah. I, I know nothing about it. I live in Vestavia, which is near Birmingham. Oh, okay. And I know where the beach is. <laughs> Actually, that's, that. that's really the most important thing to know, Darla. It really is. Yes. White sand beaches, where are they? Yeah, I like oh. it. <laughs> um, that's a, a benefit of being an entrepreneur. You can work from anywhere. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I tend to uh, end these by asking how, um, you know, what do you do for yourself, you know, for, you know, to make yourself feel better or for self-care? So you know, for me, I make sure I, you know, meditate a little bit, uh, go for a run sometimes, hang out with some baby animals, you know, things like that. Is there anything in particular that you do when you're really stressed out or when you really need to start taking care of yourself? Yes, I play sports. So I play tennis. I pray a lot. When you have teenagers, you tend to that you go to prayer a lot. <laughs> So I pray, I, I play tennis, I work out, I do, you know, I, I have a fitness, pure fitness. I, I go to fitness classes and then spend time with my kids, my family. My family is, still lives in Indianapolis and I like to spend a lot of time with them. So really just spending time with my family, travel, prayer, tennis and work out. Those are my go-tos. That's great. I get a lot of people who are like, I don't actually do anything. So I should probably start thinking. <laughs> so it's, I have to. Yeah. I have to get my mind off. And I loved listening to music and dancing and singing really loud in the car. And I'm really <laughs> bad 
really bad. So that's amazing. I still love it. I still do it. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. Um, can you uh, tell everyone where they can, you know, uh, grab the activity books or any of your other products and where they can follow along? Sure. Music Today will be relaunching my website here soon, but they can get them at www.inthesportszone.com. So I-N-T-H-E, sports with an S, zone.com. And then I'm all over social media if they want to follow me anywhere. I would love to have them follow me and and keep up with all of my shenanigans, I guess. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. And if you happen to come down to Florida, know that you have to reach out to me, okay? absolutely will. And thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed talking to you today. You as well. Thank you so much for being here. And, um, you know, I, I just, I really appreciate it. No problem. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And I hope all your listeners are inspired. Thank you again to Darla for being on the pod. I really loved a lot of her messaging about just, you know, being able to jump in and do things and figure it out and be resourceful. It, um, it really resonates with me and I hope it resonated with you all. Uh, I know this was a little bit of, uh, a reach, uh, as far as, you know, being in sports, but I told you all at the beginning, I wanted to have people on here who have jobs, have, companies that touch sports in some way so even though she's not working for a team a league a players association or you know an apparel company um, she's doing something that relates to sports and um, really has an impact on people and i love 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 her story per usual please make sure you are subscribing rating and reviewing the podcast because I love to get little notes of how good we're doing. And I also appreciate notes of what we're doing wrong. Um, You can do that on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and RadioInfluence.com. And then please make sure you are following us on the social media. And we are at LTPFPod uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And our website is LTPFPod.com. Thanks, and I hope you guys have a great week. This is a Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Now, I had someone ask me this. Did the officers have to arrest them? Quite frankly, no, they didn't. But here's how they would not have gotten arrested when police and I've done these trespassing calls more times than I can remember. Police show up and it goes like this. Sir, you are trespassing on these premises. The owner of these premises asks you to leave. Would you please leave the premises? You get up, you leave. And the police officer says, hey, you've been warned. Please do not come back to these premises or the next time you could be arrested for the offense of trespassing. Now, the problem here at the Starbucks in Philadelphia is when police showed up, these individuals, these two black males, decided to buck authority and refused to leave. And the law allows officers to make arrests for trespassing if the individual refuses 
to leave. Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.